born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. The salvation that we have, as the Bible calls it, so great salvation, is not over just because you trusted Christ as your Savior. The Lord saves us from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell. So you have been saved from that. The Holy Spirit indwells us in order to save us from the power of sin in our life. And that goes on all the days of your physical life upon this earth. And then the Lord says that He wants to save us and will save us someday from the very presence of sin. So we know that we're saved, saved, saved. You ever heard that song, saved, saved, saved? So I'm saved from the penalty, saved from its power, and be saved someday from the very presence. But if we neglect while we live in this world, if we neglect this so great salvation, God says that He's going to reward us. And the rewards are not always something good. Did you know that you can do bad things and receive a reward? And you can do good things and receive a reward. In other words, you're going to receive the just recompense of your deeds. So God rewards evil people. And God rewards good people. So you're going to get rewarded one way or the other. But he makes a statement here in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we, we refers to those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. These scriptures are not talking to lost people. This is to those who know the Lord. This is talking to you and talking to me. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. There are things that you have been taught that you ought not to let slip away out of your mind. The Bible says in chapter 3, and we won't take the time to look at it, but it talks about those who depart from the faith because of their unbelief. You know Christ is Savior, but you can get to where you do not believe the things that God says about Him and about your responsibility to Him. Not thinking that it's a serious thing, that our Christian life isn't a serious deal. My Christianity is serious to me. My going to church, that's serious to me. My Bible study is a serious thing to me. My prayer and my giving and everything that I do, my whole Christian life is a serious thing to me. It's not a game to me. It is a serious thing. It ought to be to every Christian. He makes the statement in verse 2, For if, if, 
the word spoken by angels was steadfast. In other words, when God gave his word to Moses on Mount Sinai, and God meant what he said, and God said he would bless Israel if they were obedient, and he would chase them if they were disobedient, God meant exactly what he said, and they received the just recompense of the reward. In other words, they got their due. Whether it was in the land and being totally blessed, or out of the land being totally whooped, God kept his word. And if God will keep his word according to the law, what do you think he's going to do about these other things that he says? So the book of Hebrews is written not to the lost people. The book of Hebrews is written to believers who are stumbling all over themselves. To believers who are disbelieving the things about their Christian life. They're not walking as they ought to. So the title of the, the sermon this morning is in your notes there. How shall we escape the chastening rod of God? How can you escape it? You cannot escape. So this is written to the believers and not to the lost. But look what he says again in verse 2. He says, and every transgression, that means under the law, when they transgress the law, he says, and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, they got their just due. They received their just desserts. They received what the Bible calls, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sowed. And how shall we escape is not to the lost man, it's talking to the believers. How is the Christians going to escape the chastening hand of God? Now, by the time you get to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, that talks about the chastening, the chastening of God's people. There's a lot of scriptures in between these scriptures, between chapter 2 and chapter 12. Ten chapters in there. And they have all kinds of things that it talks about the Christian, and what he's to do and not to do. Uh, look what he says there in chapter 4 and verse 12. Because he's talking to the Christians. For the word of God is quick. That means it's a lie. The word of God is a quick and a powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. That's your body. So of the body, the soul, and the spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Does the word of God know your motive? The intents of your heart. Yes, it does. And God can reveal all these things to us that helps us to see why do I do what I do? What is my real motivation? And God says that uh, nothing is hid to his eyes. See there in verse, thir uh, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, your whole life has to do with God. And everything is open to the eyes, his eyes. In other words, before God, you are stripped totally naked in front of God. God sees and God knows everything inside and out, body, soul, and spirit. Because as time goes on, how are we going to escape when we stand before God and God says, why didn't you do what I told you to do? As the years roll by, we want to do less and less instead of more and more. He says, for the time you ought to be teachers, but you're not able to teach because you don't know the word. Why don't you know the word? Because you wouldn't study. He says, you become dull of hearing. You don't want to hear because you don't want to do. You see, when you want to do things for God, you don't mind listening to the word of God. Some people, they don't care what the Bible teaches. They're going to live their Christian life the way they want to live it. It's my life. Get off my back. Leave me alone. 
God pity those kind of Christians because they're not going to be used. They're going to be put up on a shelf. What is the purpose of chastening? So as you go through here, you find out that a lot of things that God warns us about and things that we should go on to maturity in chapter 6, and many of God's people won't go on. They never mature. They stay a baby all their life. They never grow up, never can handle spiritual responsibilities. But take your Bible and turn there to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. But he makes a statement here in verse 34. We know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense. That's the Lord says, I will get even. That's the Lord says, I, I will pay you back. In other words, God says, I, I'm going to judge my people. See there in the last part of verse 30? The Lord shall judge who? The lost or his people? His people. You see, you and I cannot live as we please after we're saved and do whatever we want and think it's okay. No, we have spiritual responsibilities and we're to be found faithful to do the things that God says to do. He says, if you don't, he says, it's going to cost you going to cost you. Look what he says down in verse 35 of chapter 10. Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of what? Reward. Don't cast away your confidence. In other words, as a Christian, don't lose your confidence in God. Don't lose your hope in the Lord. Don't lose the purpose for which God left you here. Don't get so involved in the things of the world that you don't have time to be faithful to God. Wouldn't that be a shame? Say, oh, I can't be faithful because I just don't have time. But God can solve that. The purpose of chasing, to correct a child, that means to rebuke for the wrong actions. To train a child, repeat the right actions. You see, all chastening isn't bad. Chastening is also for instruction in righteousness to help us to do the things that we should do. It also is to scourge a child and hopefully trying to learn how to get a balance in this uh, when we raise our own children. But he says here in verse 5, My son, in the middle part of verse 5, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So the purpose is that God has got a work to do. Uh, there's bad things that we do that God wants uh, to reward us for. And there's things that he wants to rebuke us on that he said, I want you to stop that and don't you do it again. And there's other things that you're doing that may be right. And God said, I want you to repeat that over and over and over again. In other words, you hear me always say, just keep doing right. Whatever it is, if it's right, you keep doing right. Always keep doing right. Always do right. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do wrong. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to be unkind or unfaithful. Holy Spirit always leads you to be holy, to do right, to trust in the Lord. You see, there's some things that God will do for you and I that he won't do for the lost man. You see, God's not interested in just chasing the lost man for everything he does that's wrong. And it seems like they can get away with murder. And that's why even David says that I became envious of the wicked. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Whenever I did what was right and it seemed like I was chastened all the day long. And it seemed like they could do whatever they wanted to do that was wrong and they get away with it. It's not fair, God. Just not fair. Well, life isn't fair. But David says, when I saw the end result, I looked down the road and I saw the end result. He said, when I went into the sanctuary. Awesome. But he makes a statement here in uh, verse 6 and 7. Who is subject to chastening? God's children. He says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son, every son whom he receiveth. Who does God chasten? Every son, every child. 
And he says, if you do not receive chastening, he says, then you are a bastard. You are an illegitimate child. You're not my child. See, God doesn't chasten everybody, but he does chasten his children. You say, why does God chasten? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he chastens us for reasons, as we'll discuss in just a moment. But in verse 8, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, all are part, all who? All believers are partakers. And verse 9 says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. And part of the chastening process is our Father, Heavenly Father, is correcting us. Because, see, we don't have the knowledge to do everything right. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, it is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. So God has to correct us all the time. And sometimes we don't listen to the Lord. And God has ways and means in which he can work and deal in our life. He gives us that personalized attention. Look at number three. How does chastening profit obedient Christians? How does chastening profit an obedient children? Look there in verse 10. He says, for they are earthly parents. Uh, verily for a few days, they chastened us. It was temporarily. Chastened us after their own pleasures. You say, what do you mean pleasure? Most times parents will chasten the kids when they get sick and tired of putting up with you, doing something, and they want to kill you. Instead of being faithfully disciplined you all the time, consistently, whether they want to or they don't, they do it because they're doing it for your good. And sometimes because you've irritated them to the no end, or you done got on their nerves, then they're going to come down on you, and then that's their form of correction. You see, God, he, he's, he's long-suffering, and he, He's patient. And But when God has to lure the boom, He will lure the boom. He says, but He does it, why? You ought to underline these two words. He doth it for our what? Our profit. Why does God chasten us for our profit? Why does God correct us for our profit? Why does God rebuke us for our profit? You're going to live long enough that you'll be so glad that God never answered all of your prayers. And that God was wise enough to rebuke you. To say no to you. Not let you have everything that you want. And this is why you have to be so careful in your Christian life. Desiring things that God doesn't want you to have. Falling in love with the things of the world that God says not to do. You can begin little by little without knowing it. Vex your righteous soul from day unto day. Looking and seeing the things of the world. And you begin to grieve for those things. That you want to cleave to the things of the world. The next thing there in that verse. To make us more holy. Because he says for our profit. That we might be partakers of his what? His holiness. God believe it or not. God wants you to be holy. God doesn't want you to be unholy. Unholy means not like God. Holy means like God. God wants you to be like Him. I heard a man one day ask somebody, how do you know you got this great big old granite and you're going to chisel a picture of a horse on it? How do you know how to chisel this horse? He says, I just chip away everything that doesn't look like a horse. I just chip away everything that doesn't look like a horse. And God wants to chip away everything out of our lives that doesn't look like Him. You think as God says that we are naked unto Him and He can see all that God is wanting to purge out of our life anything that doesn't look like Him and act like Him, think like Him? What do you think? What do you think, huh? You think God is working on you? Has God been working on you lately? Do you think God really cares about you? 
Yes, he does. And see, God is more interested in you looking like him and being like him than you have in anything else in this whole world. Everything else in this world ain't worth a quarter compared to you being like him. And that's what he wants. He says, walk in his image, learning to how to be like the Lord. He says, now, now, never is, now no chasing for the present seems to be joyous. Have you ever enjoyed a whooping? Hmm? You teenagers, you ever enjoy a whooping? No, I don't think most, most of you probably don't get one. That's what I ought to do one Sunday night, just have a good old whooping session. <laughs> and, just, and just whoop, y'all, because you probably got it coming, you just haven't got it yet. And for their profit, right? For their profit. But notice, he says, nevertheless, afterwards, after the chastening, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness. In other words, why does God correct you? Why does God? Because he wants you to do right. He wants the fruit of righteousness in your life. He wants you to do right. Does God want you to get mean and bitter and ugly and unkind because of whatever he allows to come into your life? No, that's not what God wants. Look in chapter 11 and verse 26. Remember the man named Moses? Well, Moses, before he ever left Egypt, before he ever left Egypt, he wanted to serve God. Before he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, he had already made up his mind what he wanted. It's just that they rejected him. So he went on the backside of the desert. And 40 years later, God came to him and says, I want you to go. And I ain't going back. He said, yeah, you are. No, I'm not going down here. <laughs> Look what he says. He says in verse 25, choosing, talking about Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. You see, serving God is a choice. He says, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In other words, this for a season would have been his lifetime. Would have been his lifetime. He could have enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a whole lifetime. But he says he chose the reproaches of Christ. Esteemed them greater riches. So he makes a statement here in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You ought to underline that statement. You see, he was looking down the road and past this life. Because he never enjoyed it during this life. His 40 years of serving God after he got those children, was one of nothing but headache and misery for 40 years. That's what he put up with. You know the reason he was not even allowed to go into the promised land? Because he lost his cool. Because he got mad. He got angry. And it happened on quite a few occasions. But God still used the man. But the man never got to go into the promised land. Never got to go in. He was up on Mount Nebo and died there. But he looked beyond this life and beyond what he had to go through. And for 40 years that he served God. Not talking about the 40 years on the backside of the desert. Is it going to be worth whatever I go through here or what I'm going to get in eternity? See, this is just the dressing room. This is not really where it's all happening. We're going to a place where it's really going to be real and really going to happen. And you'll see why it was so important, so demanding upon you at times. And that's why some of these people went through a lot of things. Why didn't God prevent all these things that happened to these people? Well, maybe he could have, but he didn't. But look there in verse uh, 34. This is what some of the people went through in this so-called experience 
you know, after they're saved. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What God has done for us and this period of time that God's given to me to live. What if I neglect to live for God during this period of time? What's it going to cost me? So how do you think you're going to escape the chastening hand of God? You're not going to escape it. It's not that God saved you and he's busy and you're busy and you just ain't got time to get together and don't, no big deal anyway. You don't get it. He said, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, valiant in fight, and turned in flight the armies of the alien. And look what some of these people went through that didn't make it. They didn't make it in this world. And some of the things that happens to them. You say, well, if they really loved the Lord, that wouldn't have happened to them. Yes, Job still has his three friends, and they've, a lot of years have passed, and there's a lot more of them today. He says here in verse 30, uh, 35, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of school mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and Goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Uh, you say, why didn't God stop all that? God didn't want to stop it. God doesn't stop all the heartaches in our life. God wants us to go right through the middle of every one of them. Everything that happens. God has not seen fit to deliver us from every ills in this world, and every bad man in this world, and all the bad decisions of people. No, God says, I, I want to give you the strength and the grace that you need face whatever's coming down the road. And it says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. Look at it. Look what it says. In God's eyes, he says, the world was not worthy of such people. In verse 39, these all, these all, these all haven't obtained a, what kind of report? Well, slap my mouth. Somebody else is keeping the books. Somebody else has got a report card on what people are doing. Do you think that if God had a report on them, that he's got one on you and me, that he's watching us, that he knows what we go through, what we face, how we feel, and all the things that happens? I, I think so. I really do. Look at number four in their notes there. What is chastening to prevent? Useless hands, crooked paths, stumbling blocks. Look at those up there in verse 12. As the Bible says here, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Because, you see, you get, you get weak spiritually, and you can't go. I'm not talking about physically now. I'm talking about spiritually. And he says, you're down. You're so discouraged because you, you, you talk, he's talking about spiritually, you don't have the strength. And he says in verse 13, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. You become a stumbling block to other Christians. Somebody's always watching you, and somebody's following you. You're an example to somebody. I don't care where you think you are on this little Christian ladder. In your maturity, you affect some people's lives. People are looking at you and watching you. And they'll make decisions based upon the decisions that you make. You influence people. And God pity how we influence people when we say, I don't care how it affects anybody else. It should bother us. So he says here in verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Talking about the fellowship that we should have with one another. Looking diligent lest any man fail of the grace of God. 
lest any root of bitterness spring it up, trouble you, and thereby many become defiled. In other words, this is what happens to weak Christians. And see, chastening is to prevent us from having all of these things in our life. When we get to what we don't care about other people. And God, how do you think you're going to escape the chastening of God when you don't care about your own personal testimony? You don't care if you become a stumbling block. You don't care if you get mad and bitter and you sow discord and you ruin and corrupt people's lives and cause them to be unfaithful to God. You don't care about that. There's a God in heaven that cares. And there's a God in heaven that says, that's going to cost you. And you haven't got to heaven yet, so you haven't seen what you have lost because of it. The usefulness that you could have had in the lives of so many people. The next one, the selling of the eternal for the temporal. See there in verse 16. Like Esau, who sold for one morsel of meat, sold his birthright. In other words, he sold something of great value for something that had no value. You see, whenever you get down spiritually and you're not right with the Lord, did you know that you'll give up a, a eternal, eternal rewards for something temporal in this life? Eternal weight of rewards for something that's trash. And verse 17 but we know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And I wrote down the tears of future regrets. The tears of future regrets. Did you know that every Christian is going to have to have that time when you stand and find out what it cost you for all your disobedience, for your nonchalant attitude? And there's going to be tears of regret. I wonder how many of those tears when he says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Those aren't tears from the lost people. Those are tears from God's people. God may chasten in many different ways with many different believers. He will give personalized attention as it's needed. See, verse 17 deals with the forfeiting of earthly blessings. There's earthly blessings that sacrifice because of disobedience to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8 says, And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own, his own labor. So it's going to cost you here and cost you there. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says that your rebellion to God can cause you weakness as a Christian, sickness as a Christian, and not only that, death, premature death. Health and wealth, family, finances, all these things can be affected by the attitude you have toward the Lord. You are going to suffer many things in the Christian life. And sometimes it has nothing to do with what you decide. They're going to come. And he says, as a man is born and the shots, the sparks fly upward, as troubles come to all of us. And everybody's going to have their fair share of all kinds of temptations and trials, troubles. And God can use everything to make us better for Him. It doesn't matter what it is. He can draw us closer to Him. He can teach us valuable lessons that we will never learn if He had not have done so. Let this hand represent you and me, and this wallet represents sin. And the Bible says that God, He, he loves us, but He hates our sin. And He says that because we have sinned, we are all condemned, and that Payment is eternal separation from God in hell. And God says to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us.
He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said if we would believe that he did it for us, he would save us, give us eternal life. We'd go to heaven on what he did for us. There's no trick to that, no gimmick. This is an awesome story. Do you realize that some things happen in life and the timing to bring people together so that somebody will talk? We have the greatest message in all the world. We have something worth living for. Let's pray, shall we? Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.